Hey, Foreclosure Fix family, and welcome to another episode of the Foreclosure Fix podcast, where our goal is to help 1 million homeowners successfully navigate foreclosure. Hey, I'm your host, DJ Alojo, and I am super excited about today's episode. I have an industry expert with us today by the name of Jay Tannenbaum. Jay, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, DJ, for having me. Welcome. We're glad to be here. Jay has been in the debt collection space for over 20 years. He's currently the president of loss mitigation and asset disposition for Scottsdale's Mortgage Investments, formerly Scottsdale REI, which is a large hedge fund. And he has a ton of experience, has done numerous transactions, not only in the note space, but outside of the note space. And he brings just a wealth of information. And so I'm excited for him to share his expertise with our listeners, because I think you're really going to get some great nuggets to help you think through your current homeowner challenge. So with that, Jay, I want to kick it off and I want to kind of just throw you a softball. All right. Help our listeners understand how you and Scottsdale Mortgage interacts with homeowners facing foreclosure. So we are a hedge fund, as you mentioned, um, but we we buy distressed mortgages, defaulted mortgages from other hedge funds and, and banks all across the country. Mm -hmm. Um, and mm -hmm. obviously the notes that we buy are first position mortgages. Um, the, the borrower is, is in default. Um, and we're basically a bank. I would like to characterize, I suppose we're a bank that we're easy to talk to. <laughs> I love that. That's the first time I've ever heard that a bank that's easy to talk to. Um, so give, give, give our listeners some insight, right? When a lot of homeowners are facing foreclosure, they know about their own financial struggles and know that, hey, they may not have the money to pay or they haven't paid their mortgage, right? But help them understand how a hedge fund works because their problem is not really your problem, but you want to help provide a solution. So help our listeners understand at a high level how a hedge fund works and what the goal is for your organization. Sure. So, okay, from a, a third, you know, a high level view, a hedge fund is just a company who raises a lot of capital, buys whatever they're buying. In our case, it's distressed mortgages. Um, we have investors, so we so we do have, while we're, while we're a bank that's easy to talk to, like I mentioned, we still have investors to cater to who, you know, like anything else, other, other investments are looking for, deliver, uh, for deliver the, you know, the returns that we, um, you know, have historically can, can manage. Um, so on that side, you know, you say the word hedge fund, you think of Goldman Sachs and the, and the big and the big boys. Well, we're, we're smaller, a lot smaller than the, than the big boys, which is fine. And again, from a borrower's perspective, we're easier to talk to. But I think the other piece of it, not all hedge funds are alike. Ours in particular, we, you know, strive to keep borrowers in their homes. We do a lot of loan modifications. That's our, 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 our you know, primary, one of our primary whys. I can't speak for other hedge funds who say, you know, they may buy, you know, they may buy only vacant properties, vacant notes against vacant properties because all they want to do is get the property back or they really don't want to talk to a borrower. They just want to take, you know, take it for foreclosure because they see the dollars and cents. It says, look, this house, your house is worth X. I bought the loan at a discount from what's for what you owe. And if I take the property back or get the property back, I'm going to make a whole lot of money. Well, that's fine. Yeah. Um, that's just not who we are. That's just, that's just our mandate. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, and, and, and that makes a lot of sense. And two of the things I heard that I really want our listeners to understand is one that 
Jay, although you are a handsome guy and a smart guy, all this hedge fund money is not your money. You have other investors who you all have to pay a return to, right? So just saying, I don't have the money doesn't work for a homeowner. <laughs> the other thing I heard you say, which is really, really important, is that your goal for your hedge fund is to try to keep homeowners in their house and that you're easy to talk to because you want to do a modification. You want to do a workout. You want to get to a resolution that's mutually beneficial. That's correct. And let me give you some historical background. Uh, obviously, from my debt collection days, um, I have the ability to, you know, I've done, done plenty of workouts um, through whether it's debt, debt collection on credit cards or business disputes or, or what have you, you know, getting into note investing in 2013. We just another different debt instrument. Um, but you know, so, so I'm used to, so I'm, I'm capable and my team is very capable of talking to borrowers and we take a different approach. Uh, we, we, you know, our motto is that we'll treat the borrower with dignity and respect. Now that's assuming we get it reciprocal, but that's what we're, what we're doing go, go, going in. Um, so, you know, and, 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 and let me take a step back. Part of that is always been our motto. I've always been our, well, when I started buying loans in 2013, I'm buying low balance it was easy to easy to loan mods back then because I'm buying, you know, back in the you know the dark ages where you know it was the house is worth fifty grand, but you owed eighty grand and I bought it for ten grand. It was easy to come to you and you offer me three hundred dollars a month and I make a thirty six percent return for my investor and my investor's happy and you're staying in your home and you're happy and you're and you're perfectly happy. As we started to buy larger balanced loans, it gets a little more challenging to work with a borrower to generate the returns that we still have to cater to our investors. But that doesn't mean we can't do something with with them anyway. So it's really a matter of of and and then the other piece of it is with that said, we also you know adhere to the changing market conditions. Now several years ago, we were buying a lot of reverse mortgage where the borrower is already deceased because you can't do loan model with a dead guy, right? Yeah. So we were taking we're getting paid off an auction a lot, or taking properties back and, and doing REOs. In this market, we don't want to be fixing flippers anyway. We don't want your house, but we'll take your house. We will receive your house if you can't get out of your own way. Well, that makes a, a lot of sense. And I think that that context is really, really helpful for homeowners. But thinking about your experience in, in the debt collection space for as long as you've worked in it in different areas, you know, what are the key differences between the individuals or companies who are able to escape the grasp of debt and, 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 move forward and those who you continue to see over and over and over again and who who ultimately su succumb to 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 depth's grass i think the first thing is communication the lack of communication will get a borrower or or judgment debtor in trouble because you don't leave the creditor or the bank with any choice but to move forward let's just you know if you can't you can't communicate there's not much to do i mean you know it happens in everyday life yeah you know you talk about communication in your in your relationship in your personal relationships and communication with everything else. It, it's the same thing. If you don't, you know, reach out, it doesn't matter. Now remember, again, dignity and respect is, is the key buzzwords here. So it's communication, but it also has to be credible communication that you're not just giving somebody lip service. For example, I basically have three rules when I'm talking to a borrower. Let me take a step back. So our approach in our company is pretty simplistic, right? It's, you know, if I'm role playing for a moment, it's hi DJ, I'm your I'm your, your lender. How can I help you? That's my magic my magic bullet, my magic words, right? And typically, I'll you know if I'm over over the phone, the borrower will like nobody's ever asked how I can be helping for. They're getting calls right and left, going, "Hey, 
pay or die, you know, just, you know, pay me, pay me, pay me. And so there's this 30 seconds or so of silence, right? Because they've never been, been, been asked that before. And then they get their, you know, feet underneath them and then they pop their country western song on me and it's telling me everything about, about themselves and everything else. But in that conversation, there's, I can afford to do X. They're voluntarily yep. offering what they can do. I'm not making demands on that. And in that conversation, we discuss basically three rules. If you're working together going forward, yep. what number, rule number one is communication. When I call you, I want you to pick up the phone or call me back timely. Number two, you're making commitments to me. I'm not making demands on you. So you, so you need to honor your commitments that you're making to me. And number three, you need to perform whatever commitment you're making. That's it. That's it. No, but that's awesome, Jay. You know, when you said when you said those magic words of how can I help you, I immediately thought that you guys are the Chick-fil-A of note investing. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I was immediately like, oh my goodness, man. You know, I would love to, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm down in Georgia, so you know, we, we see it every day. But the, you know, the last thing you need to add to that three is just a, a my pleasure at the end and you'll be good to go, right? <laughs> But 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 you you make a very interesting point there because I think one of the things that borrowers have always told our firm and 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 me as an asset manager from time to time is that they can't talk with anybody. They're getting different people. They're talking with a servicer who really doesn't want to help them, who's not capable of helping them, and they're just frustrated. And so you saying that magic word of how can I help you probably just takes a ton of pressure off and helps the conversation go in the right direction. I would I would agree with that. It, it took. To, to a point, I think there's probably a ratio of, yes, okay, well, let me take a step back. Yes, we do our loss mitigation in-house. Why? Because our servicers just don't do a very good job anyway. They just yeah. won't. Um, that's, that's a giving. They're overworked, got too many files. They're, just not, they're not, you can't say, you know, the top to bottom, a servicer's loss mitigation department is, is adequately trained. There may be some stars in that department, but most likely they're not. Okay. Um, or, you know, banks are horrific. You would, even if you, you know, if you're not in default, you try to call your bank for the spew or something, you can get, especially with automated. This is like, this is long before the automated life. It's speaking of the live body, right? So I, I get the frustration. Um, that, that is definitely true. Um, but I also hear, like, if you're, for example, if you're going to, you know, make that same characterization to our company, hey, I tried to reach you guys and you need to talk to me, that's on you because that's not going to be true. No, that, that's absolutely true. Now, Thinking about loss mitigation and thinking about that whole process, what are some of the mistakes you see from the borrower side or the homeowner side, but then also from the lender slash servicer side when it comes to loss mitigation um, and that whole process? Let's. I'll start with the loss with the, with the lender side. Like I said before, between a servicer who's poorly trained <laughs> to be able to work out anything with a the borrower, they're they're they're. Um, it's our the number one thing is our approach, the lack of approach. I think that they're not as objective as say as we are um, to understand the the plight of of the borrower. Uh, I don't know if they're skilled enough to find a find a solution when one may not be readily available. Um, from a borrower standpoint, the borrower's mistakes are well again as I said as I reiterated before, the first mistake is communication. They'll get themselves into trouble. They'll see the foreclosure notice on their door when they. They, but they avoid the phone calls because they're too intimidated or, or such, right? There's a will, there's a way, always, um, in, any, in any context. Um, so communication, I think, is the first mistake that a borrower would make, lack of communication. We don't, as, as a bank, we don't want lip service. 
but we want a mutual exploration of what's possible, right? Um, you'll be surprised. Two things I'll, I'll say. You'll be surprised at just what coin, what what change you can find under your couch that you that you can think through. And number two, you know, if you get into and it started getting war stories, it's you know everybody has a time and a circumstance and a change of circumstance. Yeah. I've done many deals on the eve of the foreclosure sale where I worked out some of the borrowing. And you ask yourself, why did the borrower wait that long? Well, sometimes it was okay. I was buried my head under the sand and I didn't wait too long till 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 I did. Or number two, I'll give you tell you one quick story where it just guys changed the circumstance, right? Loan I bought in Minnesota years ago. Um, a guy calls me up basically like the sale was probably Tuesday, and he calls me up probably on a Friday or Thursday, right? And I'm gonna say something that I don't doesn't mean to be disrespectful, it's just kind of like you gotta have some fun with this stuff, right? You really take it, take it lightly. But anyway, he <clears throat> called me up. He worked for the railroad in Minnesota. He just got a 65% wage increase. His kid had just kid or kids had just turned 18. He had no he had no more uh, child support to pay, right? So his financial situation had improved for his ability to come to me and say, I want to work something out. The third piece, this is where I would make make a little fun here, was he just paid off his truck. Now, my experience <laughs> that we all, yeah, so you, you laugh because as a as a kind of a facetious joke, it's you know, in the Midwest, people care about their 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 trucks more than they care about their house payment. Not as shelter, just as priority. No, it's funny you say that because I've seen that tons of time. You know, when someone submits a loss mitigation package and you see they're paying like seven fifty for their vehicle, and I'm like, your mortgage payment's only four fifty. What's going on here, right? You know what I mean? Like, it, there, there's a disconnect. Um, and so I, it's very interesting when you say that because I think people do lack a little bit of, of knowledge or just on financial literacy and, and, and what's most important. But financial literacy in this country is hor hor horrific, right? But people, but that doesn't. But when you're a homeowner, though, whether you have the financial liter literacy or not, you still have an obligation to yourself and your family to provide for you. And granted, okay, things unfortunate things occur to you, and that's and that's fine. I don't prejudge or, or pass judgment on where you've been. Um, you know, you're right. The priority, you know, seven fifty car payment and a four fifty mortgage. That's about our priority, and it's and it's tough for you to say, hey, sell your car and get a two hundred dollar payment so you can afford your mortgage. It's tough for people to get their arms around how practically you go about doing it, right? Because they have the sense of pride. I get that, right? But the other piece of it is um, that we don't prejudge or take our past judgment on our borrowers. For example, we may buy a loan today. That the borrower has been in default for four years. I don't care why, to the extent that it's relevant. It's really less than I don't. Not that I don't. I don't care why. It's not very relevant as to where why they're in default or how they got there. It's where we are today, where I find you today, and what we could do moving forward. Right? Your circumstances may have changed even before you know. As I got you, you haven't defaulted on me yet. You got a clean slate with me until you give me lip service and don't perform. Then I can be the devil. Remember, okay. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the nice guy. How can I help you? But you. Don't you know, fail or fail to honor your commitments and, and give you lip service? Then we're the devil. Well, no, and it's interesting you say that because I think that that is one of the things I've seen a lot as I've talked with folks, work with folks, is that they're scared, they're deer in headlights, and they just clam up so they don't say anything. But like you said, it doesn't matter why you didn't pay for the last five years. You didn't pay. That's gone. That's water under a bridge. The question is, how do we move forward? Um, and when you talk about honoring your commitments. And saying, hey, if you do a trial modification or a trial payment plan, or you say that I'm going to call you back tomorrow, right? You shouldn't be waiting two, three weeks to call them back. 
you should call them back tomorrow because you said you, you because you said you were going to call them back. And I think that that's ultimately very important. And I think that that's how you begin to rebuild trust. Right. I know somebody once told me that, you know, trust is uh, is gained in drops, but lost in buckets. And I think as a borrower facing foreclosure, you got to start rebuilding that trust in drops. So every time you do what you say you're going to do, that that trust is built between you and your lender and it creates a better environment. Oh, I totally I totally agree. And just kind of adding on one point, um, like I said, I can't speak for other banks and other hedge funds with regards to the common complaint that I can't find anybody to talk to. And while I would state that, yes, that's probably in most cases very true. Um, and I'm not in the shoes of the defaulted borrower. So, you know, forgive me for saying this, but I would just try harder and harder and get more resourceful until you can find somebody to talk to just to say, hey, I can't, I tried. I tried, but I couldn't find anybody. I couldn't talk to you. You didn't find a solution. You didn't find a resolution. It's the same situation, and bad things may happen to you. Absolutely, and the crazy part about about that whole phenomenon and the difficult part is, I always tell homeowners to do the same things the lender did to you when you're trying to get in contact with them. You know, when you're defaulted, the lender's calling you multiple times a day. They're calling you at different hours. They're calling you from, you know, potentially different numbers. You start calling your lender five times a day, you know, at, at, at eight, 12, four, six, eight and eight. Right. You know, you start doing that and see the response you get. Um, see if you can't get somebody to take you seriously. So, Jay, you've been in the whole debt collection space for a significant amount of time. Uh, this space can be very hard and challenging, but for you, what, what do you like about the debt space, the note space, and, and what's allowed you to be resilient enough to stay in this industry for as long as you have? <laughs> yeah. The last part, the last part is pretty funny, resilient. Um, cause, cause yeah, I mean, it's not all funny games and we're not that big to make a ton of money on this stuff. It's a, it's a grind at, at, at times. It's, you're, 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 it's volume. I mean, I've always, you know, with the debt collection practice I had in California and this, you know, it's a volume play, right? You build a pipeline of, of loan that you that you have under management. Um, so I'm not. The good side is I'm not worked up over. You know, I don't take any personal. Like, hey, DJ, you're 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 well loan that keeps you up at night, or or, or you piss me off so much that, I, that, 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 that I'm just got running around with angst all day. No, right? It's another loan, right? Um, the, but again, it, the why is is keeping a borrower in their home. I mean, that's what we, you know, that's that's what we tr- strive to do. Um, that does provide us you know, satisfaction. I mean, a win, 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 you know, just the, you know, the old, the books on negotiation, right? the whole win, win philosophy is very, is, 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 is transcends in, in almost any part of daily life. And so from between a bank and a borrower relationship, a win, win situation makes everybody happy. I mean, you know, our wins aren't as, as, um, life-changing, I suppose, as the borrower you're staying in the home. Ours is just, we resolved another loan on our books. I don't mean to be that cool because we, you know, we do, you know, we, we do get, you know, we, we have a little, obviously with our approach, our approach, we, we, we're, we have a heart and I'd like kind of tell you a, a quick, a quick story. So la- I, we bought a ton of, uh, back in the 2018, my partner and I bought, started out together buying, uh, 21 seller finance loans from a hedge fund out of Dallas. And we bought these for like $85,000, very, very, very cheap. Right, the last of the liquidation, right, and then one borrower in particular who was struggling from the beginning, right. He, he, he his wife ultimately he was struggling to make the make the you know amazing, but a twenty one twenty one loans we bought about seventeen ATM were occupied and made calls, got the borrower to start reperforming. You know, just it was a happy day for everybody, right. Um, and again, we bought it so cheap that even if we modified what they were paying before, 
It was easy. It was a win-win for everybody. Um, this guy, you know, his wife had leukemia um, for a while. So part of his the ability to make payments or tr struggling to make payments were from her, you know, disability, whatever she was getting. Um, she ultimately died. Um, she, he got work. He, he, he got injured on the job, but got caught in the vortex where he couldn't get social security. He couldn't get disability. He couldn't get workers' comp. Nobody would, 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 would get any relief whatsoever. And again, we're not the big bad, bad guy. I mean, in that instance, we pay, he paid a little bit here and there. So I mean, we weren't, you know, we bought the loan so cheap that it wasn't about, oh, he's not paying. I got to foreclose on it because I had for my investors' money. Actually, we, we all, him and I self funded the deal. So we didn't have any investors in this deal. But, um, uh, so ultimately he gets to his state, um, a mortgage relief company who basically cures him for like a year and a half to two years that I've been working with him, um, makes him current. Then we made an arrangement for hundred dollars a month thereafter, which he couldn't continue to make because he couldn't, he wasn't working with everything else. So a year ago, Christmas, I'm having lunch with one of my asset managers who's kind of, you know, I'm a trading as I was trading him anyway. I said, we're going to have a, 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 you know, learning, a learning, you know, teaching moment here. I said, I'm going to make a phone call while we're at lunch and I'll guarantee you the guy on the other phone is going to cry when I get off the phone. Now, your listeners, you might say, I'm going to tell it's Christmas time and I have no heart on the Scrooge and I just did a little, you know, let's put the hammer down and I'll make him cry. No. You know what I told him? Mr. So-and-so, look, I know you're struggling. You know, it's Christmas time. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to DG your house back. You own your house now, free and clear. And I forget, I'm forgiving whatever debt was still, was still owed. Of course he cried. And I think that that is the, that is the beauty of, of this business is that, yes, for the folks on this side of the fence, it is business. It's a business transaction. But you also have the opportunity when you are in certain situations to, to provide significant amounts of value to folks and help people who are sometimes struggling in ways they never expected. And, and that's the reason why we started this podcast. That's the reason why um, the Foreclosure Fix community exists. And that's the reason why we're here to help you. And so, Jay, I think that is a great segue to my favorite part of the podcast, which is our bow tie round. And in our bow tie round, our listeners get to tie one on with uh, with Jay Tenenbaum. And so the B in bow tie stands for your best advice for someone facing foreclosure. The O stands for one thing you are grateful for. And the W stands for your wildest or most interesting foreclosure related story. And so, Jay, what is your B? What is your best advice for somebody facing foreclosure? Good, good segue. So so. I have two pieces of advice. Number one, as I said before earlier in the show, communicate with your lender, whoever it is, and 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 be as resourceful as you can to get some communication, so get get a dialogue going. You may not get a resolution, but you at least get dialogue. And dialogue will 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 not uh, expedite the foreclosure, you know, be the foreclosure process. Because remember, all lenders go through the foreclosure, you know, the, the loss mitigation efforts before they go to foreclosure. You're getting foreclosed upon because loss mitigation didn't work. If you're communicating with your borrower, I'll guarantee you whether you get a resolution or not, you at least get a dialogue. Second piece of advice that kind of correlates to that is if you can't work out a solution, keeps you in your home monetarily, doesn't fit for the bank or fit for you, whatever, be prepared to face the hard choice of, how do I say this? The hard, to make some hard choices that basically, let's call it one step, you know, two steps forward, one step forward, two steps back. Yeah, you might want to give the bank back the house and get a fresh start somewhere else. Hanging on, I know it's emotional, right? But sometimes hanging on to a, to a, to a drowning situation 
you're better off cutting the cord and moving on. And I guarantee you that month, two months, a year, whatever that time frame is, you're probably in a better position than you are drowning in trying to just to save what is emotionally involved. We've done that. In addition to just keeping borrowers in their homes, we've done that a lot where we just come to come to the realization that you did a short sale or we gave you they gave you a date deed in lieu or something where they just came in grips with the fact that the time to let go. Yes. And I think that's really good advice. And that's that second piece is one something that a lot of folks have never said on this podcast about just being able to come to the harsh reality that that house may not be the best place for you in this season of your life. And so that is that is very true. Um, one thing you are grateful for, your wildest or most interesting foreclosure related story. Uh, wildest or most interesting. I mean, they're all they're all interesting. They're all fun. I mean, um, you know, Oh God, what day is it? Um, <laughs> uh, um, my, my wildest story is not doesn't even actually involve a borrower per se. He was kind of a just a crazy guy um, who didn't who thought he had a deal with a dead guy. We bought a loan uh, on a property at a reverse mortgage. The borrower was already dead. The occupant claimed that he had a arrangement to buy the house um, from the from the owner, but he never had any writing. Um, we went to, so we tried, so, so basically we had to evict him after we got possessions of the house back. And um, we basically, this, we've been fighting it for like three years now um, and just got, got rid of him. And he's been filing all kinds of crazy stuff and doing all kinds of crazy things. And and just, you know, it's, it's your kind of like your, your uh, you know, wor- you know, house, you know, your worst nightmare, but, you know, it's just things that happen. I close the one of the wildest and crazy stories is, um, Probably a lot of it has to do with that same portfolio and wild story. So there's one one guy that yeah. lived in the, in a very rural area in Wisconsin, and I bought the remember we bought the package. Um, I think I modified his loan right you know right away. He's making like four hundred some dollars a month for like three years four eighty four eighty three dollars for three years, and uh, so you know I bought a loan for maybe five six thousand dollars right. So I'm in the black on this loan anyway. He comes to me and he says, my, my family and I want to move to the city. I want to, you know, I want to leave. But, you know, there's a, it was a, you know, seller finance loan. So he has a contract with me saying he still owes X amount of dollars for X amount of time. I'm like, and I'm not in this rural area. I'm like, it's going to take me a while to, you know, figure out, put another seller finance, you know, occupant in there or whatever. So we, we mutually agreed that he would pay six months of that $483 in advance. Give me some time to, you know, to find somebody else to deal with it, right? And now that he has moved out, I listed the property. Um, the property was, even when he lived there, I think it was uninhabitable. There's some fire damage or something, whatever. The city is on me saying, hey, you got to do something with this house. It's not worth repairing, right? I don't know what I'm going to do with this house. Lo and behold, he comes to me a few months after he moved. And he said, we moved to the city. And then my wife and I are getting divorced. And I moved back in the house. <laughs> so basically, so then I sold him the house for cash. Well, that's so, so yeah. No, but <laughs> you got some funny stories, man. So you got you got dead people who are uh, still trying to stay in their house, right? <laughs> and and you got people who are divorced, you know, saying, "Hey, can we can we retry this deal?" So, um, well, Jay, you know, we are so grateful to to have you on our podcast, and we really appreciate what you have provided our listeners because I think that your experience, your expertise, is, is so valuable to homeowners who who don't really have insight into this world. Um, do me a favor and let our listeners know how they can get in contact with you or or Scottsdale Mortgage if if they want to follow your journey or even invest. So our website is uh, www.scottsdaleMortgageInvestments.com. Um, you can find find us there. 
Um, you got all the information. Uh, you have a trade desk. We, we, we um, you know, where you can buy loans, et cetera. Um, you know, so that that's that's kind of how you can follow follow us. You know, I really appreciate DJ being on the show because it's not very often. I speak nationally. I speak on a lot of topics, but mostly it's two known investors who want to be known investors and giving you know that the the you know encouragement or, or expertise and nuggets of, of wisdom. I suppose if I have any, um, but it's not very often. I don't remember really ever where I've had the opportunity to um, carry a message directly towards your borrowers because we always. In when I'm speaking nationally to want to be investors, right? The same stories are being told, but they're told as saying, I'm the bank, and here's a conversation, a story I had with a borrower. And it's a different, different context. You know, so I hope I've been, you know, been uh, provided value to your show and to your listeners because truly, you know, the message that I send to your to your borrowers, you know, you are in in a in 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 a in a you know situation that's not fun, it's not comfortable. But there is hope and there and there and there is ability to, to change whatever that change looks like. No, Jay, I think you did exactly that. And I'm, I'm appreciative. And, and I think that that's the same reason why, you know, I wrote the book um, that comes out next month called The Foreclosure Fix. 12 Proven Steps to Beat the Bank, Escape Foreclosure and Turn Your Property into a Profitable Asset. Because there's not enough people having that conversation about what to do and how to have those hard conversations as a homeowner and not let the bank win. And what I be, what I mean by letting the bank win is, you know, when the bank files foreclosure, it's difficult for them, just, just like it's difficult for you. But being a winner is saying, hey, I'm going to modify this. I'm going to figure out this or I'm going to sell it, get some profit and move on. And everybody just moves forward. And so, Jay, I just appreciate you. Um, and. If you all resonate with the mission to help a million homeowners successfully navigate foreclosure, please like, subscribe, and share the podcast uh, with someone you know can benefit. Um, leave us a review. Let us know what you think. Send your comments and your questions. Um, thank you so much, Jay, again. Hey, I love you all. God bless you. And thanks for listening. The views and opinions on this podcast are for informational purposes only and should not be construed as legal advice. If you have a specific legal question, we highly recommend you contact a qualified legal professional.